Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. We are back. Welcome in, everybody, to the One Royal Way podcast. Jordan Foote here, joined by my good pals Joel Penfield and Josh Kaiser, brought to you uh, by KC Strength and Conditioning, KCSC, Kansas City's most qualified baseball development resource. Always grateful um, for them and appreciative of them right around the Thanksgiving season. We are thankful for KCSC for sponsoring this episode. Thankful for my pals. We'll start with Joel. Man, how's it going, buddy? No, hanging in there. I think I'm over the whatever atrocity on a football field we watched (laughs) last night and uh, excited to talk some baseball. We didn't know when we were going to be able to record. We knew we were going to get some sort of off-season content for you guys, but uh, it's been enough over the last week that we were able to fill out a full episode. Now, I'm excited to be back with you guys. It's been a little while. Hell yeah. Josh, what's up, man? Uh, I am doing swell. Missed you guys. I mean, I missed the last two episodes, so I majorly missed you guys and missed talking baseball with y'all. Uh, to the point where I'm getting excited about uh, trades that uh, that involve guys who won't play next year. Um, that's how <laughs> desperate I am for baseball talk. So happy to be here. Shout out to KC Strength and Conditioning because I'm going to have to visit them after we devour this Thanksgiving feast we're going to have in a couple of days. So uh, shout out to them, and we'll see you soon on that front. I've uh, been – so I downloaded my fitness pal again. Like, admittedly, I've been lazy and gone through stretches of, like, I'm going to count calories, I'm going to lose weight, and then lose, like, 15 or 20 pounds, gain it back. Like, I'm dead serious this time. I'm going to do a series of steps to live a healthier lifestyle. It can't just be, you know, the I'm going to try this for a little bit. Um, so I will need a stop at KCSC, among other places, <laughs> after my Hello. Thanksgiving. Last time I tried my fitness pal, I got a little sassy with me because I had missed like a oh, different man. week and it was like, this doesn't seem to be helping. Do you want us to remove this app? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, damn, I'm trying over here. Hey, yeah. Josh, serious question. When you have your second kid, does your dad's strength double or is it just like, or is it like a flat rate thing after the first kid? I think it's a flat rate thing, but I will say the muscles and the aches and pains those do double i don't know if that's an age thing or like okay. a kid thing but that is legitimately reality fair i'll i'll keep that in mind here for about a month from now yeah i was gonna say you got yeah real close yeah less than a second. month less than a month till my my daughter's gonna be here so very yeah. nice it's heating up man everything is getting busy including the mlb off season obviously world series in the books spring training still quite a bit away um, but the Kansas City Royals are making a few moves, some low profile, some a little bit higher up on the ranks. The first and foremost, they protected um, a couple prospects from the Rule 5 draft. So for people who aren't familiar, the Rule 5 draft takes place at the end of winter meetings. I believe that date is December 6th this year. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, players signed at age 18 or younger have to be added to the 40-man roster within five years. If you sign at 19 or older, it's four 100000 bucks to the former team if a player is chosen. That player goes straight on to the 26-man roster. So Brad Keller, kind of the the easy first of mind, 40 or uh, Rule 5 draft guy that the Royals have been able to bring in. They protected Tyler Gentry, added him to the 40-man 
protected Will Klein by adding him to the 40-man. Those two I personally expected. We'll start with you, Josh. Um, any thoughts on those two? Did you think that they left someone out and kind of your your observations on Gentry and Klein coming onto the 40? Uh, I, I always thought it was going to be Gentry and Klein were like the slam dunks. Um, Gentry just had a pretty promising you know year in AAA, uh, especially down the stretch, so he made a very solid case for himself. Kind of thought that he might get actually debut like something like the Veneziano did last year late, uh, but that didn't work out because they did have a log jam there in the outfield. But um, but yeah, it kind of seemed like a slam dunk to add him. Not sure where he, where he figures in to the 2023 roster at the moment, or 2024, excuse me. Oh, here we go. I'm still signing checks as of 2023 now. Um, not sure where he figures into the outfield for next season. Um, but at least he is protected and, and good to go. Will Klein, his stuff is just so good. He's got the, the cheddar, he's got the hook. Um, so I, I figured that was gonna be the case too. Um, it would have it's gonna be a fun project to kind of figure his stuff out. And I'm glad it's gonna be the Royals trying to figure that out because if it worked out for like the Dodgers or somebody got him, that would have been a real, real problem. But uh, as far as people that didn't come on, I thought maybe Christian Chamberlain made it a good enough case to be on there. I like his stuff, but his numbers weren't great. Um, that was kind of the case, same case for a lot of guys. So Chamberlain was the only one that I was kind of maybe thinking they might protect, but they basically got the two slam dunks in my opinion. I think the the thing that surprised me the most, and I didn't think about it until uh, after the fact, I can't remember who tweeted it, but Asa Lacey did not get protected. Yeah. I cannot think of a time where a first-round pick that you know has taken its time or didn't pan out that didn't get added to the 40 uh, in this situation, which tells me the Royals know that he's going to pass through, which, again, is still a kind of a wild thing to consider. I mean, it's a lost cause at this point. You're just hoping you can salvage something of him. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like or how that's going to be, but it sucks that that's the case, and it's a it, again, it's a, it's a first-round pick, and if you're the Royals and you've been terrible for more than a half decade now like those are the guys that have to hit that have to be franchise changers like Bobby Wood Jr. has been and right now I mean you're just hoping Asa Lacey pitches again because we I mean he was on a milk carton for the entire 2023 season maybe we'll all be curious if there's anything from him in 24 I'm looking go ahead I see that he was the highest pick ever yeah. to not be protected the first round first time he could be i, I know i saw it's yeah it was at least since like 2017 like it was of recent history at the very very least and like this is a guy that pitched 20 innings in 2022 to the tune of an 11.25 era like things just have not been going well for ace lacy it was pretty indicative and telling i think that the royals didn't protect him the the gentry and klein ones were no brainers i think gentry the 103 weighted runs created plus the 14 percent walk rate had 15 or so home runs matched that in stolen bases and then klein you can't really teach the stuff that he has at the peak of his powers and like to represent the team in the all-star futures game this year yes when he got called up to triple a Things weren't as consistent. The walks were up. Um, the ERA was up. But I think Joel mentioned in one of our episodes towards the end of the year, the walk stuff in the AAA level specifically, not necessarily worth buying that much into, right? Yeah, with the, with the automatic ball strike system, it's incredibly flawed in that not every stadium is identical. Like, it, it's the same box, but... 
in some stadiums based on where they have to set up the stuff. Sometimes it's like two inches low or off to the right a little bit or off to the left. So it's hard to take most of those walk numbers across all AAA. This isn't me just trying to put on like Royals colored glasses to like say walks don't matter in AAA. Like it's across the board at AAA. I mean, walks are up significantly at that level. So it's not just us talking about Will Klein here trying to be all sunshine and rainbows. Like it's just an issue right now. It's going to be a thing. Like it's inevitable, but it is an incredibly flawed thing at this point. Is there anybody else that jumped out to you guys that didn't get added or protected from the the rule five? For the Royals, most of it. Yeah. So one of the guys that I saw and I didn't, I didn't think about it until after the fact, but Devin Mann, the only reason I say that is just the positional versatility that he provides. Yeah. Uh, being able to play every infield position, a little bit of outfield. He hits well enough that you think he might be worth it. I don't think he's going to be an everyday big leaguer or maybe even a, a bench guy long term, but it's a great depth piece to have because of the positional versatility he provides. And he hits enough that it makes sense. Uh, he feels like a guy that might get picked for that reason. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, I mean, he's an older, I think he was like 26 in AAA. So it's not like we're talking about a young dude either. Uh, but that he felt like a very Royals type guy that they might try and sneak onto the 40 and, and see where it goes. Yeah, that's a good one. I think Lesky, he did a really good breakdown that I, cause I read all this stuff. He, he does a fantastic job at inside the crown. Um, he had a list of like, I think the way he phrased it was like lock and then people that he would add that he wasn't sure the team would. And I think Devin Mann was on that list. And I'd probably agree with that Um, to get the guys they did on. Like the thing is in order to protect these guys, in order to make room for people you're going to bring onto the team, you have to have the room to do so. And it's kind of hard when your 40 man is flirting with 40 people or at that limit um, to do that. So the Royals did have some casualties on the roster that, they, they switched up things a little bit. Nate Eaton, one of them, DFA'd outright into Omaha. Um, Josh Stama, DFA'd, hasn't had a contract with anyone yet. We'll, we'll probably touch on a potential reason why here in a second. Logan Porter, Diego Hernandez, and then Austin Cox was a corresponding move for a later acquisition that we'll chat about. But um, that's a list of five guys that, for one reason or another, either haven't panned out or just haven't shown as much yet injuries, stuff like that. Um, we can go one by one, or we can just kind of pick. I think the Eaton one was expected. The Stalmont one, we can touch on why. A lot of this was kind of a, an anticipated series of moods. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, the, the Nate Eaton one felt pretty obvious. Um, just, I mean, it was a disaster at the big league level for him, and he was fine at AAA, but not enough that he was going to be able to come back up and provide anything for you, so Feels like an organ organizational depth piece at this point. Keep him in AAA. If you know an injury comes around, he's got enough versatility that he can he can play. I still contend he should just go pitch. Like he that was that one relief appearance was one of the like weirder highlights of the season, but it was electric. Um, Stamon was an inevitable one too. Yeah, thoracic outlet syndrome is a career ender for some guys, and it sucks because he has had elbow injuries and shoulder injuries for a lot of his career. And to see him final, like he came back and he was good for a couple of years. But when the when the velocity really started to dip for him, because that was what made him effective, because he was not a he was very much like wild at times. You can never really trust him in high leverage situations, but he threw 102. And so, you know, margin for error 
you know, increases a little bit. He was still on 94, 95 at times this year. And while that's still major league average for a reliever, it's not enough. So I, yeah, Logan Porter was a hell of a story. In fact, he got a cup of coffee at the big league level. Massive credit to him. Maybe he gets another shot this year if, you know, things don't go the Royals way and they need, you know, they need some depth at catcher. But all these, all those moves made a, a ton of sense to me. It was kind of the, the guys I had in my mind. Yeah, there was, I mean, the three out of the five were complete bummers to me. I just, you mentioned Stamont. He was the definition of stick your tongue on an outlet because <laughs> his stuff was electric. He was appointment television, and you never knew what was going to happen. So it was all adrenaline all the time with Josh Stamont. So he was always he was always a lot of fun. Porter, great story, and played well. He he actually he played was, really, yeah, really he, well. He held his own. Yeah. So I could I he did sign the MLB, or, uh, minor league contract with them. If they need a third catcher, I could totally see them bringing him back, uh, especially in spring training. If he if he hits well and plays well, I could totally see him being added again, um, back where he's close to the game or both close to the season. And obviously, the Austin Cox knee injury kind of spelled that uh, DFA um, pretty much from when it happened. But uh, since we are best friends, because he was a one world way uh, guest, uh, it sucks, and I hate it, and I want to throw something very hard at the at the wall right now so uh shout out to austin cox but it seemed like he was pitching well uh pretty you know pretty effectively out of the bullpen especially when this when this team absolutely needed it and it just happened at the wrong time so uh three big bummers and then two that kind of made sense we, we didn't really talk about diego hernandez but that seemed to be why he was dfa'd we didn't talk yeah. about him all year so well he, uh, got, since he, he got hurt in spring training hurt that ball immediately and, and he never really recovered it feels like most years, this is this year kind of the exception. There's always that one, like, the Royals added that guy? Like, yeah. they added Angel Serpa in 21, and the Diego Hernandez this past year. It's like, he turned 23 as we're recording, like, this day on yeah. November 20. Yeah. He's hey, only 23. Birthday, like, yeah, yeah happy birthday, man. I'm glad that, you know, things worked out. He's back on a minor league deal. But holy shit, for lack of a better phrasing there, young guy hadn't shown a, a bleep ton in order to it was just an expected thing like you could run down the list like that guy not an, an, an indictment i guess you could say on his future right. prospects but the team just right now kind of iffy you don't want to hold up that spot so um it all worked out put a good bow on the Royals with protecting from rule five later on we're going to touch on who shape they should potentially attack in rule five Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and then we'll talk about more. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're back. Thanks again for tuning in to One World Way here on KC Sports Network. Jordan Foote, Joel Penfield, Josh Kaiser, the I almost said dynamic duo, the the terrific trio. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. that just doesn't sound the same. But you're back. Yeah, the, yeah, there we go. Um, talking about the Kansas City Royals, good off season um, start so far. Made a couple just low key contract signings: Josh Taylor, Taylor Clark. Taylor signed to a contract worth $1.1 million for 2024. Clark signed for $1.25. Those estimates per... Um, some people go to COTS contracts. I like the MLB Trade Rumors estimates um, were $1.3 million and $2.2 million for arbitration. So got a little bit of money back there on the back end. We'll start with Joel. Thoughts on... I guess you can do both at the same time if you don't have too much on one of them. I know that Josh Taylor is more of an enigma than an actual yeah. real contributor at this point, it's but also idea. factors into the maybe the 2024 bullpen. Yeah, I'll be... I think Taylor Clark, I think that move makes a lot of sense. I know that people have very strong opinions about Taylor Clark, but I think if if he is your guy that you bring out like the 6th, I think that's a great role for him. I don't think high leverage eighth, ninth inning is where he needs to be, but the stuff is good enough to sit in a big league bullpen. And we're, with where the Royals are at, 
needing bullpen arms makes a ton of sense. And at that price, I'm not going to balk at it whatsoever. Josh Taylor, I thought was going to be a DFA candidate. Yeah. Oh, uh, considering where he was at and he was out of options at that point. So this is a he's either going to make the big league roster or he's going to be DFA'd after spring training. Or they find a trade partner for a desperate team that wants a lefty reliever. It's going to be a scenario like that. I I don't know if he actually actually breaks camp with the team starting in 2024. But again, 1.1 million dollars. Like I know that in our terms, that's a lot of money. But it's a drop in the bucket for big league teams and for relievers sure. of any level. So uh, that's all I got. That's the that's the money they gave to Ryan O'Hearn last year before yeah. they, before they waived before they released him. So. They they are worried about that money at all. Uh, kind of, I agree with you on the middle inning relief, Joel, about Taylor Clark. He kind of seems like the Jason Fraser uh, thing mm-hmm. back in like the, yeah, that's not a bad example. Uh, he's got stuff, but he just does not belong in the back of the bullpen. And when you kind of do that, you kind of open him up to high leverage situations, and that's where he's definitely vulnerable. So I think he could be effective in that role, but I am still kind of more intrigued by Josh Taylor. The sample size, because of the injury history that is long and undeniable at this point, but he was pretty okay. The 815 ERA is not okay, obviously, but his is a 3.34 XFIP with a 31.3% K rate. That is eyebrow-raising numbers right now. If that, is abs- if that is even close to being real, give me some more Josh Taylor. Let me see what he can do in a healthy situation and see what he could do. Everybody kind of was like already writing him off that he was going to be an obvious DFA candidate, and that's fine if they wanted to. If the injury history is there, I'm not going to fight you on it, but I still think that Josh Taylor has a little bit more to offer this team than even, say, the Taylor Clark deal. So um, I'm interested to see what happens with them moving forward, and I don't hate either of these things. Um, I do wonder, uh, Jordan, you mentioned the trade rumors estimate on Taylor Clark being $2.2 million, and he accepted one point three or one point two five. I do wonder if they went to the table and were like, here's your contract, 1.25. If you don't take this, we're going to non-tender you. That that could be, Joel. Yeah, Joel, I saw you have a finger up. You seemed like you had something to add on Taylor, maybe? Yeah, it was on Taylor, because I remember he got hurt, but I forgot what the specific injury was. It was shoulder and back. It, right? was, a sho- it was a shoulder impingement back in yep. May. Okay. And then he started throwing to hitters in June. Then he had to have back surgery for a herniated disc. Yep. Which he has back issues and a back injury. Yes. And backs don't get better. And that goes across all sports. That does not, uh, that doesn't discriminate between football, basketball, hockey, whatever. Yeah. That. I'm a father of two. (laughs) (laughs) Known athlete, Josh Kaiser. You know, it it doesn't discriminate against him. So uh, knowing, like, remembering now the fact that it was not just a shoulder, but it was a back too. Yeah. It's a little bit of a situation where I could see them giving him a chance, but I don't know if it ever is going to come back for him. It sucks because sure. you hate to see injuries derail a guy and not performance. Like, sucks. Yeah. Well, and that's how the Adalberto time story fizzles out. Brother. That's how it ends. Yeah. The Royals can say they quote unquote won that trade because Josh Taylor at least suited up for the Kansas 17. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he struck out 26. Like he was out there still, still pumping. I think the intrigue with him is more than Taylor Clark because we just don't know as much about what Josh Taylor could offer the team. Now, with that said, Taylor Clark, 
he was like a really streaky guy last streaky. year. Like had a really prolonged stretch where you're like, oh damn, Taylor Clark is quote unquote fixed, and then equally as bad for almost as long, if not a little bit longer. He struck out more guys per nine innings, a nine point nine two clip than he ever has throughout his career. The flip side walked three point six six. So I think he still does have a spot on the bullpen. Um, I think you give him a low, not necessarily low, just lower leverage type situations and say, hey, don't mess this up. We And if you do, it's no big deal as opposed to, hey, man, you know, base is juiced or you got a guy on second or we really need you to, to mop something up here. That's not the type of guy, um, especially the later in the game you get, that you want Taylor Clark to be. So they, they avoided arbitration with those two guys. Who knows if both of them are going to break camp with the team. They do have a handful of players that are still without um, their arbitration processes having gone through. Brady Singer, Chris Bubish, Carlos Hernandez, and Edward Olivares. Those estimates per the MLB trade rumors list, 5.1 million, 2.4, 1.3, and 1.8. I think we all agree that the last name on that list is a guy that we at least I thought was potentially a non-tender candidate and might not be with the organization anymore. And I still think that we're probably all on the same page. I want Josh, your thoughts first about maybe a a trade kind of unfolding. I don't know. I, if if anyone wants him, right? Yeah. Right. You can't play defense and he is a one Oh five WRC plus hitter. And in Royals relativity, that is a good hitter. But on a contending team that needs a designated hitter, is that what you want your primary designated hitter to do? Nope. No. Nope. You're going to need 130 out of that guy most of the time. So yeah, I, I don't know what the what they would get for him. I, I don't think a bag of balls is even enough to uh, to give him a roster spot at this point. But weird things are happening, especially in the Chicago White Sox organization. Who the hell knows what they're in, in the <laughs> They're going to turn in. They just traded for Tommy Tom DeLong. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. They're going to turn in the grittiest and grossest 110 loss team of all time. Just, I got a little sidetracked there. But Edward Olivares, I don't think he's worth the $2 million and $1.8 million. So I'm probably in the camp of not turning him and seeing what they could do with that roster spot instead. Joel. I don't have much. I don't have much more to add. I I think even if they tender him a, the, like a contract in that range, I think it's still either tradable or DFA if the competition he can't handle like the competition is strong enough for those outfield spots. And like Tyler Gentry has a big spring, I think they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt over all of ours. Well, damn it! I know you're going to have something to add about this guy, the cheap. Or I almost said the cheap sign. This guy that'd be an interesting kind of career differential for him. <laughs> the Royals signed Luis Sessa to a minor league deal. Um, they announced it with the same crop as Austin Cox, Logan Porter, Diego Hernandez. They like snuck that in there, and everyone said, "Oh, hold on, we know that name possibly, but definitely not for a Royal sense." So. 31-year-old, 2.51 ERA in 64 and two-thirds innings back in 2021. 2022 with the Reds, um, 4.57 ERA in 80 innings. Started off with Cincinnati this year. It seemed like he was starting, which was um, a little bit different compared to um, his mid-career then. Eight-plus ERA in AAA at both stops. Um, He had Washington and Colorado. So I'll throw it back to you, Joel. 
this guy's been around the block a, a while. It's not necessarily a new name to baseball diehards like yourself, but what are your initial thoughts on that pickup? It feels very Michael, like Mike Mayers-ish, like of that same vein. Like a dude that's been around for a little bit. He's had pockets of being effective enough. Probably going to start the year in AAA, and first injury, he's going to get called up as just a veteran with some experience. Being a... An, so he went through 26 innings, but he had six starts. That probably tells me he yeah. has an opener. So an opener type, a guy that can throw garbage time innings if it really gets to that point. Um, it's nothing special, but I think as a depth piece, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I want to see a few more of these kind of contracts because what we may talk about later with the 60-day IL, they got multiple candidates to put on that. Uh, so if they can kind of get a guy to sign a minor league contract with a spring training invite, they could be able to float somebody under the radar like a Cesar or a couple other guys that we might talk about later. But he hasn't been effective at, out of the bullpen. He does throw a pretty solid slider, so I'm curious to see if they can optimize that and turn him into maybe some unlock a little bit of value. But I think it kind of shows you what they're targeting this offseason, and we've kind of talked about a little bit that and we've heard a lot that they are looking for veteran leadership quite a bit and that is goes especially and also for the third hitting coach they're rumored to be looking for they're trying to find someone who's been around the block who's able to fill in some gaps based off of experience and i think that that goes for i mean they tried to trade for marcana which we'll probably talk about in a little bit um they're also loading up on veteran pitchers that have postseason experience so i think that this is a move to kind of not only deepen the organization, but also provide a little bit more experience for some of these young guys to kind of blossom a little bit further and underneath. Speaking of experience, and I think each of these moves kind of gets more and more intriguing, at least in my kind of frame of mind. Um, Royals legend cash considerations was sent to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for MLB um, legend cash. Yes. That, that, <laughs> true that, true that for Nick Anderson. Um, he is projected by MLB trade rumors to make 1.6 million in arbitration. Should, you know, that whole process and all that good stuff unfold, uh, strained his shoulder during this season, but didn't recover quite in time for the playoffs. I read an article when I was doing research on him to like, it was a legitimate conversation, just couldn't completely um, get all the way back. He missed 2022 with um, recovery from an elbow surgery. I think it's a fairly savvy pickup and I'm just going to take the lead on this one because I'm a little bit fired up about the possibility of this signing. And usually I'm just like, Oh, haha, whatever cash considerations, but it is another small savvy move by JJ Piccolo that those have seemed to pay off. He turns 33 in July. Like this is not a long-term play by the Royals, but his ERA was just over three in 35 innings before he got hurt. He's only pitched 122 big league innings in his career. He's been worth almost four wins on fan grabs. So when he's out there, he's been good. He's fastball curve dominant. Um, Last year, opponents hit 161 against that curveball, 274 against the fastball. The velo sat around 94. This is a guy, again, like I, I talked to a, a Braves buddy, my friend Nick, who's uh, not Nick Springer, although Nick might be a closet Braves fan. We don't know. Uh, my other buddy, Nick, he was a little bit perplexed at this and was like he is a worthwhile contributor. Um, the injury history is there, and 
look, the Braves are in a different position right now, organizationally, <laughs> than the Kansas City Royals are at. But um, I'll kick it to you first, Josh. I think this is a pretty solid pickup. Yeah, agreed. I mean, a 33-year-old been effective. He has a 293 ERA as on his career, uh, 3.17 xFIP, and a 29% K minus walk ratio. That is bonkers to have that height of a I have a ratio. So uh, if he's able to stay healthy, which is a gigantic question mark about uh, Nick Anderson, but if he can, he is an effective arm. And like we said earlier, he has postseason experience. He has experience with Matt Quatrero. So has his uh, trust or at least his familiarity to be able to use him and know how to use him effectively. It's all about health. If he's able to stay healthy and effective, they still have two seasons of control with him, which from a 33-year-old to 34, 35-year seasons, who knows what you're going to get. But it's at least uh, another voice of veteran leadership in that locker room. And he does not have a slider. So it makes me wonder that's something that this this coaches seem to be able to really, really uh, help develop. So maybe there's some more to unlock there. We'll see. I think the biggest thing about this that I like is it provides back-end bullpen experience for young guys that they want to have at the back end of the bullpen. Like the emergence of what James MacArthur and John McMillan did at the end of the last season. And Carlos Hernandez in a, in a pocket was, was pretty good there at the back yes. end where I like, before the deadline kind of ruined things or that that grand slam in Boston I think is kind of the a line of demarcation we can have for where things kind of went downhill for him but had a very effective first half and I think he can get back there then this takes pressure off of those guys to have to eat those high leverage innings and you have a guy that's been able to do it for three plus years in the big leagues uh that has that type of experience so I like it. Uh, even if he's not the closer, I think it provides something for those other guys and takes a little bit of pressure off of the younger guys trying to fill in there uh, and try and win some ball games that they'll get those last three outs. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I guess my final thought on him before we move on to um, the Jackson Coart trade, also maybe a trade chip. Like perhaps he does That's get cool. going and people say, oh, this guy's 33. He doesn't have a ton of, you know, mileage on his arm. Yes, he's been injured, but still that stuff matters. And we'll talk about a guy in Seth Lugo later on who that stuff does matter. 33, 34, but in baseball years with all those innings, he just doesn't have them. So that's a benefit. If he is performing well midseason and the Royals say, hey, yes, he kind of fits our timeline and that we have control over him for a little bit, but no the age isn't lining up, he's done his job, perhaps it is a trade situation and the Royals get prospect number 22 from a team or something like that, better than nothing, um, and I think he could help, and a guy that isn't going to help in 2024. Um, the Royals traded Jackson Coar for Kyle Wright, again, with the Braves. The thing is, though, people remember what he did in 2022, he went 21-5. and five. People hit 211 against this curve. They hit 232 against the sinker. They hit 151 against this changeup, 270 against the slider. Like, outside of the four-seam fastball, everything else was pretty damn good. He was firing on all cylinders, 319 ERA. He's going to miss, according to Andy Rogers, likely all in 2024 as he recovers from right shoulder surgery. He wasn't very good. When he did pitch 31 innings this year to a 6.97 ERA, Josh, what Talks do you think? Yes, exactly. And that stuff, it's like a small sample. I know that we say it a lot, but B, 
that stuff seems to happen right before guys get those prolonged injury stints that um, or surgeries or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not a free agent until 2027. He turned 28 in October, um, predominantly a starter throughout his big league career. Josh, do you think that this really has potential to be something they follow for a whole year? Do you think it's just a, a cool story for Jackson Coar to return something? Uh, both. Uh, I'm a, this, I was, when I saw this come across, I was pumped for this. Um, this is a, a long game play, a savvy move that, that I've been wanting them to make, you know, some of these moves to kind of turn some heads and be like, Oh, Kyle, right. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what we got here. Um, the shoulder thing is a, is a concern. Obviously he kind of lived off being a ground ball pitcher anyways. So he doesn't necessarily need like dominant velo. He can still be crafty and still be, you know, really good with his stuff. He still had a three, three, 3.3 X FIP, which was 13th best among starting pitchers in that 2022 season. Uh, also had a 16.4 K minus walk ratio, which was 24th. Uh, so he doesn't have wipeout stuff. He does kind of live off of that ground ball, but he's still able to get whiffs. Also doesn't have a slider. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to keep coming back to that. But also postseason experience. I love this move so much. I'm ready for 2025 right now. It is kind of a bummer. And I think everyone is kind of on the same page of this. They want Jackson Kowar to figure it out and succeed in the Major League Baseball. But they also are terrified of that <laughs> to happen. But they had plenty of opportunities here in Kansas City to try to figure it out. He just couldn't put it together. Wish him the best, but I am pumped to have uh, have our boy Kyle Wright in exchange for Jackson Coar at this point. Now, I think this was great process by the Royals to capitalize on getting a guy. It's it is a bit of a swing, uh, just given the injury risk that is involved. It's just like there's a good chance that Kyle Wright doesn't get back to where he was a couple of years ago, but. To go and get a guy with some, you know, some decent upside for your rotation for a guy that has been awful at the big league level for the entirety of his career, uh, that's worth something. And I, I respect the Royals for making that move. I respect JJ for making that move. It feels like the the previous regime probably would not have done that. They would have tried to kind of fit the square peg into the round hole and try and make Jackson Kolar work. It just wasn't going to happen here. Maybe the Braves unlock something and he does become an awesome reliever. You know what? I'd love it. Because I love Jackson Coar when the Royals drafted him. I couldn't quit the guy. I thought he was going to be awesome. And I hope that he gets the opportunity to go be awesome in Atlanta. He had, he meaning Jackson Coar, the same walks per nine as his ERA this season. The problem is the ERA was over six. <laughs> so you're like, okay, six four three, six four three, no double play. <laughs> that is not going to work. Um, nine twelve ERA. In 74 career big league innings, former number 33 overall pick. He turned 27 in October. Like there's still plenty of time for Jackson Carr to figure it out. But simultaneously, the Royals are confident in their new group of people in charge of this type of thing and saying, okay, we can quote unquote fix this guy. We can develop this. We can help assist in that. I also don't think they're too arrogant to say, it's just beyond Jackson Coar. Like this, this pairing is not working. We can fetch a guy that can help the 2025 rotation, if not the bullpen. We can give him time. Um, by then, who knows what Jackson Coar is going to be doing, what team he's going to be doing it on. It would be the most Royals thing ever, right? For him to explode and turn into a dominant reliever. But 
they can't afford to necessarily take that risk. So um, those are my thoughts on the Coar era in Kansas City. Do you guys have any final kind of closing bow ties on that? I think if Kyle Wright comes back with any juice, uh, he doesn't, I mean, even if he's 80% of what he was in 2022, that rotation needs everything top to bottom. So we are accepting with arms wide open, whatever Kyle Wright is, but beyond that, uh, without a shoulder surgery. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just, they need it all. So uh, he should be able to fill, find some other, some way to fit in, I think. Yeah. I like the Creed reference. Um, I, I don't know if that was intentional, but I, oh, as yeah. a big Creed guy myself, I, I appreciate that. We've known Josh for how long? That is the thing. I like it. I like it. Um, something I I also like. The news today. My bingo card just didn't have that. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. It has a lot for this show, but that's in the Nick hitting the chat. Um the, the Phillies took Aaron Nola higher, man. They, they gave him, they backed up the brace truck for that son of a gun. What did you guys expect for a contract? Like, I know that the years and the, the final money could look different, but like on, let's say he would have signed a five-year deal to return to Philly. So, so for, for people keeping track at home, seven years, 172, that comes out to 24.6 million per year. I'll start with Joel. What do you think your guess would have been if someone said, hey, Aaron Nola re-signed with Philly for five years, X million per year? Five for somewhere in that $30 million range. Yeah, I, I thought he got like, like five to one fifty. Yeah, yeah, like he then he got it, he got a couple extra years. It's a lower APY, but hey, good on him for getting seven years. That's awesome. Yeah. Because that'll take him as I think he's 30 right now, so that'll take yeah. him through age 37, basically the end of his career, essentially. So he's going to play for the Philly his whole, the whole time. I know there's a lot of talk about the Cardinals. I guess there were some other deals that got thrown out there, but he wanted to go back to Philly, and they made it happen. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, this was never going to be a pool the Royals were dabbling in, even though all of us wanted it to happen. And especially seeing those numbers, you're like, yeah, that was never going to be a thing. So uh, I always thought that, like, the... The draft pick compensation or losing that that draft pick was going to be the biggest uh, outside of the money. That was going to be the biggest deterrent. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the years kind of makes sense. The APY makes sense. It, it the whole move makes sense. I think at this point. Reynaldo Lopez three one four ERA um, from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty three. He pitched one hundred eighty nine innings. So a guy that can give you sixty plus per year. Three for thirty to the Atlanta Braves. I think it's fine. I think ten million a year is a pretty good rate for a pretty good pitcher. Um, it's nothing crazy. It's it's not going to make headlines, but there have only been so many high profile moves. Do we have any immediate thoughts on that? Uh, just go to Baseball Savant and look at the Velo page, and you can see when he went to the bullpen this past <laughs> year because he's throwing a ninety nine to a hundred. Yeah, and that's I I. He was on my wish list originally. I would have loved to have him yeah. on the Royals, mm-hmm. but they have so many problems in that rotation that a yeah. expensive reliever is kind. Of, and JJ kind of talked about this. Like that's a novelty at this point. That is not on their radar. They're not going to go sign their closer, which I saw the report as well. Atlanta's going to kind of work him out to see if he could be a starter, and that kind of made my eyebrows raise up a little bit. 
he hasn't started since 2021. So yeah, it, it's very interesting. And if that was on the table at all, three years for $30 million might turn into quite a deal if he does work out as a starter. But if he's just going to be a badass reliever, I mean, that's still a pretty good deal. So I was a big fan of Reynaldo Lopez. He was on my wish list, but it's just not the right fit at this point, in my opinion. You, you guys know that the, this means the Braves are going to sign Lucas Giolito, right? Yeah. That's, the, the Braves are just going to do what the Braves are going to want to do. They're, it's like who, they're ridiculous. It, whoever signs Will Smith in this offseason will be the next <laughs> World Series champion. It's just yeah. how yeah. it goes. And in case anybody didn't get the reference, so Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito started their careers with the Nationals, mm-hmm. were traded together to the White Sox, were then traded together to the Angels, and then they both were picked up on waivers by the by Cleveland. So this means that Lucas Giolito is going to be an Atlanta Brave. It's insane. <laughs> And the Braves, like, they have so much money because you're signing all these guys to, like, 15-year, $12 extensions. Exactly. Like, they're just locking these guys up for below market value. So they have money to save or, I guess, to spend. The Royals, you mentioned, Josh, an expensive reliever that was balling out. A guy that did that for a long time would have been expensive. Let's try that again for the Royals. Scott Barlow. He was traded to the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Aniel De Los Santos back to San Diego. Barlow was quietly pretty solid once he came over to San Diego. ERA just over three in 25 innings. It was a stark difference. I kind of thought the wheels would fall off even more than they already were hinting at, but uh, De Los Santos 318 ERA in 120-ish innings over the past two years. So look at the raw numbers and you're like, okay, well, whatever. Um, But Scott Barlow's pedigree kind of speaks for itself, uh, I think, and he's a guy that you're trying to maximize his prime. Um, That was the ongoing battle with the Royals. Do they keep him? Do they extend him? Do they trade him early? Do they try to ride it out and compete in 2023? And then 2023 got here. They obviously were not going to be even close to competitive. So um, good for Scott Barlow to, I I guess, get on the move if that counts as a, a positive development for him. You know he's going to be absolutely disgusting in Cleveland, now, right? Yeah, he's at the pitching factory, so he's, he's going to he's at the pitching factory. Yeah, yeah. And they've resurrected guys that don't throw hard. I mean, Shane Bieber has been dropping. I mean, they've got Corey Kluber. They turned around. I mean, they've got they've got the history. That's hundred percent. I do did think it was kind of interesting. Would so back when the Royals dealt him, they got. Uh, Henry Williams and Jesus Rios, the lottery mm-hmm. ticket, plus the the college starting arm that has come off TJ and kind of recovering from that. And Aniel De Los Santos, three years left on his controllability, 27-year-old relief pitcher, has been pretty solid. It kind of shows you where they are if you kind of put those deals side by side because the Royals needed that Henry Williams and, and lottery ticket deal way more than they need a solid reliever at this point. So just kind of interesting to kind of put those side by side and see how, you know, trades depending on timing and fit and haul and where and who is involved. And it's just interesting to me to say, kind of compare those two deals. A hundred percent. The Cardinals are a retirement home at this point with this <laughs> offseason. I, I like Lance Lynn. I like Kyle Gibson. Um, Lynn turns 37 in May. Gibson turned 36 in October. They're both fine players, I suppose. Lynn's kind of been in a decline for the past few seasons. I think that Gibson kind of had a mini resurgence uh, of sorts, but I don't really have too many thoughts. Yeah. 
it, it feels very unserious and like yeah. her and Royal speak yes. to you to try and kind of have a hand in both buckets. Uh, yes. We're kind of rebuilding a little bit, but we still have all these really good players, so we're going to try and win, but we're not going to win, so we're going to... A little, little, little tricky. A little tricky. Yeah. The... Uh, yeah. Somebody somebody rescue Nolan Arenado, please. JJ, can Ink we get on the... Ink Goldschmidt, please, for his last couple uh, yeah, of years. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I mean... What a what a joke that is. Unserious is correct. That is absolutely right. And if we're talking kind of relating this back to the Royals, there's plenty of people that kind of thought that, you know, Gibson might be a good fit. I don't think Lynn was ever in on anybody's radar. Uh Gibson did have a solid year. He would be a solid pitcher. One year for 12 millions is never going to break the bank. But if we're talking about a one year deal for the Royals, give me Luis Severino. Give me Frankie Montas. Give me upside that we can flip. And if we're going to spend money on those guys, give me some rotational st- staples like Flaherty, Giolito, Imanaga. Give me some actual dudes. So I'm fine completely passing on these guys, even though it's kind of like a close tier to where I think the world's going to be dealing from. This is kind of the messed up segue, I guess. But speaking of passing up on guys, um, the current 40-man slate for the Royals, I have a list of a few guys that I think are expendable, I, I guess you could say the word is. Um, I, Max Castillo comes to mind. John Heasley comes to mind. Samad Taylor comes to mind. I, I don't really fake fit the Royals necessarily feel the same way about him. Um, Dyron Blanco and the aforementioned Edward Olivares. Now the thing is, those players have options. Heasley has one option left. Castillo has an option. Taylor has two, I want to say. Edward Olivares, despite being optioned back and forth within the same season, obviously that doesn't really impact it. Um, it's not how that system works, but those guys could help the Royals in my estimation, free up spots. And then I know that I'll, I'll give it to you first, Josh, because you also wanted to talk about the 60 day IL candidates potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely hit on that. Not one game I wanted to throw out there before we get to it. And it was kind of an interesting Arizona fall league, uh, edition. What do we think about on Hill Zerpa's, uh, future in this organization? I see. I think he's going to get a chance again. Mm-hmm. The guy I kind of thought it was called Snyder. Yep, I have a Snyder. As I well. think, yeah, I he's think inevitable. Pretty obvious one. I yeah, like I he's always down at, at tread right now, like with Reagan's yeah. and some other dudes. I like, kind of tinkering with some stuff. I think there's still enough there that you're like, eh, maybe he can get the spring. If the spring doesn't go well, then you obviously sure. make a move. Yeah, but I think you give him the spring after trying to make some legitimate changes. I know Snyder's down there as well, but. Snyder's got a much bigger big, big league sample than, than Heasley's got. So. Well, I just throw out Zerpa because it was just an interesting like um, throw in to the Arizona Fall League rosters. Like yeah. we, We've seen you be effective. We've seen you get shelled. <clears throat> we've seen both of them. Show us that you can still get these elite prospects out so we can figure out where you fit in further. So just kind of a curious thought I had the other day. But as far as like going back to the 60-day IIL candidates, uh, Bubich is going to be thrown on there immediately. Uh, Wright will be on there immediately. We'll see about Josh Taylor and Jake Brintz. We'll see where they are in the rehab process. But you have two to four spots that would immediately open up the 40-man roster for probably non-roster invitees, uh, guys like uh, Seza. But two names that I'd be interested in seeing potentially be brought in to see if they'd be interested in that kind of thing is Colby Allard from Atlanta. Dakota Hudson, who is also non-tendered for the from the Cardinals. Both those guys are pretty young guys, have not been super effective, but they have been on prospect radars in the past. 
So I'm curious to see if you could talk them into taking a spring training invite with the potential to make the opening day roster when those guys are able to be put on the 60-day IL and kind of do some uh, roster shenanigans or flexibility, I should probably say is the is the right word there. But I just think there's room for more of those candidates. We could see some actual like solid non-roster invitee potential to make this roster on opening day. Joel, I was Joel hit the chat. I was looking at the wrong column on baseball reference. I was like, oh man, Zerba had a two ERA, but I was looking at his uh whatever Something the hell that that is. Yeah. And then I looked over and Joel said um it was actually five five six. So that is your on the hell Zerpa update courtesy of Bill Petfield, who did a good look up eleven in the third innings. He gave up seven runs, uh seven walks to 14 strikeouts. So again, the upside is there where you can get guys out and be a viable guy. But then again, the control once he got back from, cause he was banged up for a while. Wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why they sent him to the fall yeah. league. And it just wasn't. Professional. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. a good call by Josh. Now the Royals maybe, um, or I guess reportedly were in on Mark Canna back in when he was traded, uh, Mark Feinson with a good report. I'm just going to read the whole quote very quickly. Kansas City liked Canna's 355 on base percentage and the quality of his at-bats. He ranked in the top 25% of the league in chase percentage with percentage and strikeout rate. The Royals ranked 13th in the American League with a 303 OBP. So Kansas City will seek to add at least one hitter with on-base skills to help remedy that issue. Um we don't have to go too far into that. Obviously, what's done is done, and what isn't done isn't done, or wasn't done isn't done. Um, but I think that's consistent with what J.J. Piccolo said. He mentioned maybe an outfielder wants to inject some on-base skill <laughs> into a lineup that doesn't necessarily have a ton of it, so that doesn't really surprise me that much. I I, I kind of lot into some potential other profile guys that would be similar to that. Sure. I think Taylor Ward could be had from Anaheim. I guess they're Los Angeles of Anaheim. I don't know what's happening with that. It's all the same thing. Uh, I think he could potentially be got by trade, but you could also potentially sign Tommy Fan and Aaron Hicks, which are both not, you know, very fun, but they both kind of have similar. Really want Tommy Fan in that locker room, man? I don't know, man. I mean, they loved him in the in the postseason. Uh, they, it's been on like eight mind. teams in six years. Yeah, that's usually I mean, not a good like side. Spot Arizona. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Just don't play fantasy sports with them. And no, I'll say don't play fantasy football with that guy. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm keeping it moving. That That's a good point, though. Good call. Um, MLB Trade Rumors did their top 50 predictions for this offseason. Four guys ended up being linked to, well, linked to isn't the right word, uh, dubbed as potential. Predicted yeah, predicted four. Royals could be one of the teams that Fits them, could be interested in them, whatever. Um, Candelario, Guriel Jr., Flaherty, and Hayward is the four. Um, those guys rank 13th, 14th, 22nd, and 42nd on the list. Um, I, I think I want to play a very quick game. Let's rank how likely those guys are for most likely to least likely. Joel, I'm putting you on the spot first. If, if you are putting your eyes into the crystal ball for the Royals this offseason, which guy is in that, in that top to bottom order. If just looking at the names, like 
to me, the most obvious one of the four just feels like Jason Hayward. I, it just does. Like Sad an aging outfield. Sad true. The, yeah. Um, number two. I wouldn't hate that. Straight, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it either. Like he kind of, like he was sneaky good for yeah. the Dodgers. They, uh, they only hit him against righties and he was uh-huh. he, he hit like 302. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, maybe there's a platoon opportunity there, a defensive replacement type, because he still can go get it in the outfield. Yeah. I like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think he could actually fit pretty well. It wouldn't like, like the power wouldn't be there. It's going to be a lot of doubles, but he's fine enough in the outfield that I think it would be okay. And at that money, four for 54 would be a little, little steep, but uh, that's probably fine. I like Candelario, switch hitter, third base. It would kind of solve the third base problem to some degree, and that's not a Michael Garcia knock. It's just it gets a higher, like a little bit higher profile hitter there, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a glove first third baseman. And I would absolutely despise signing Jack Flaherty. Like I don't think he's that good anymore. Like at that, even like three, if you want to give him like a one year prove it deal, then sure, three guaranteeing him forty million dollars for the Royals would be could be a train wreck. Like, he, he has not been good for the last two years, and he was awful in Baltimore. Like, I just, the injuries have just piled up. I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to tap back into to what he was in the, what was that, like 2019? When he finished in the third or second? Yeah, it's been a while. See, I thought, I thought Flaherty was the number one spot in mine. I think that just because of need and price range and upside, I think, is still there. All that what kind of upside? What I upside? What upside? He's Bring done it. Spark in 2019. Yeah. Young-ish. I, I like Jack Flaherty. He's number two on my list. Go. <laughs> I know. I know. I have no logical reason, but I, I think Flaherty, logical reason. Like Josh said, the price point and the allure of a 4-5 ERA for 150 innings until he gets hurt or throughout the year or whenever. Um, I, Hayward, Joel makes a good point. Like that seems like a Royals move. I think Guriel makes too much sense for them. I think Candelario is a move they just won't make. Um, yeah. So I would rank Flaherty, Hayward, Guriel, Candelario. I think, but like yeah. a big gap between two and three. Yeah, so, Jason Hayward had an eight th- eight thirteen OPS last year. He he was pretty good. What was, limited, OB, OBP was high. What was it? OBP was three forty. Yeah. What? That would work. I want to check, check these splits really quick because this will tell me a lot. It's all it was all against righties. He only had like six at bats against lefties. Good grief! the The Candelario thing yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. It re- would require a Michael Garcia trade, and I don't think it would have it would be a problem to find a trade partner for Michael Garcia, and they could bring back something pretty solid considering what he can you know bring to the table, but. It just doesn't seem like it would be a good fit, even though I kind of like Candelaria. Sure. Um, I'm going to keep it moving here, I guess. Annie did. It, people know who Annie is. Annie Rogers, MLB.com. If you aren't somehow following all of her work, she does a fantastic job covering the team on a daily basis during the season. Plenty of good stuff during the offseason. She published a list of best fits for starting pitching. Two guys have already been signed. Um, Seth Lugo is still out there. Lucas Giolito, we've talked about him plenty, is still out there. And then Wade Miley is still out there. I'm going to take the lead on this one. I think I would say Lugo makes the most sense from like a 100%. timeline and money standpoint. Giolito makes good sense from either a prove-it deal or 
give him a little bit more money and bank on your development. Wade Miley's 37. If you want Zach Greinke to come back, bring back Zach Greinke. You know what I mean? Like, I... Now, don't get me wrong. Wade Miley was markedly better last season, or yes, this season, whatever you want to call it. 314 ERA in 120 innings, but like, I don't trust him to stay healthy. I don't think it's worth it for the Royals. They already have a over 30 guy that you don't really know if you're going to get anything out of, and everyone knows who I'm talking about. Um, I, I think that those are my thoughts on the list of three. I, I'm not trying to crap on Wade Miley here. Naturally, they will pursue him now, but. I think Lugo still, again, tied to him last year, still makes a ton of sense. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I love I love Lugo's on my wish list. Giolito's on my wish list. Uh, so I'm in on both those guys. Wade Miley is just another one of those names where I'm just like, all right. I mean, this is I mean, this is just same old stuff that that I'm not going to get excited about. But Lugo and Giolito would be a head turner that I'd be on board with. My only thing with Giolito is he has not been the same guy since the sticky stuff crackdown. Yeah. So I think we're seeing more of like this is who he is. He's kind of back to to where he was like pre like arm slot change when he was one of the worst starters in baseball. Because like you can see twenty twenty or twenty nineteen three four one when he turned it, turned his career around twenty twenty three four eight twenty twenty one three five three and then twenty two four nine zero. And then a 488 this year, and he was on three different teams. And he went to Cleveland and had a 704. They couldn't fix him. I know he wasn't there for long, but they couldn't fix him. He had about the worst contract year possible. Yeah, not great. Again, if you want to get him on a one year deal and go, hey, figure it out in a ballpark, okay. I would not want to give Lucas Giolito multiple years. It'd be a tough sell. And again, the money would have to be there, but um, the Royals have other avenues to take chances and we're going to get out of here on the rule five. We've already explained the rules. Um, it's coming up within a couple weeks after you're listening to this. Let's all go around and, and give a quick elevator pitch on one or two guys that we think would be interesting. Joel, I'm flipping it right back to you. Cause I know that this is you and Josh's jam is like getting into the weeds and seeing who didn't get protected, who the Royals could go after, who would make sense for, even if they wanted to. Um, what are your guys? So my guy, my I have a hitter and a pitcher. The hitter is Hudson Haskin. Uh, he got the triple, he got up to triple A for the Baltimore Orioles. He's 24 years old. Uh, he'll be 25 by the time the season starts. And he was a second round pick back in 2020. He didn't play a lot this year. He only played, looks like 33 games. He had a hip injury. I think he had surgery on it midseason. But he's hit just about everywhere he's been. Uh, he had 15 home runs in AA in 2022 with a 126 WRC+. Yeah, he had 23 games in AAA this year. It was a 111. But he, was also, he also was coming back from surgery. So it wasn't like, you know, there was a ton of, you know, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I like that one. And then the pitcher I like is Anthony Hoopy Tui. Tui, no, yeah, God, I had fun. <laughs> Yeah, I heard right, it all over. Let, no, I want to hear it again, please. Tucker right. Mayaloa. Yeah, Anthony Anthony Hoopy Tuia Natoa. There we go. Yep. Tuia Tuia Natoa. Got it. Tui there we go. Natoa. Yep. Yep. I I had it. I was practicing the damn thing when I was sitting here listening to you <laughs> that guys. Was so talk, good. And I totally so good. lost it. Regardless, he's 23 years old. Uh, he's a pitcher from Texas. Now this is going to be a huge jump because he only got to high A this year. But he also only threw 
17 and two-thirds innings. So there's not a lot there. He added some arm issues, but it's a big fastball up into the mid to upper 90s, a hard slider. I think it's a guy you try and stash in your bullpen for low, low, low leverage situations. Get, and basically just keep him around and just see if it'll stick. Um, but I think it's a guy that you can take a chance on. He's 23, so it's not like it's a like an Elvis Luciano situation when the Royal when mm-hmm. the Blue Jays took him a few years ago and he was like 20 stashed in a big league bullpen. And it, I think he'd also be a pretty good story. He is a, he was a 30th round pick out of uh, Pierce College in Washington. So guy that's kind of grinded, had some injuries, uh, but decent strikeout stuff. He was healthy for the fall league, which is where he kind of popped a little bit. Ten strikeouts and nine and two thirds innings there. Didn't give up a run. Uh, maybe you know you're kind of you may be buying high a hair, but I think he he would be a definitely a worthy move if he's there for you. Holy crap! Elvis Luciano is still 23. Yeah, and his career is like <laughs> rough, man. That getting picked in the roll five. That's insane. They took him in 2019 as a 19-year-old who only pitched in a rookie ball. I yeah, and he didn't pitch this past year. He's since then he has thrown 40 innings. Yep. Yeah, that's That's ridiculous. That's tough. That blew my mind. 23 years old. That I mean, that's that was the Obi Wan Kenobi. I haven't heard that name in. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's like the the jerks and Profar being only thirty years old. Yeah. When he debuted, when he was like what nineteen in twenty now, and it's just it's ridiculous. These guys stick around for quite a while. Time flies really when you're old and washed up. I guess is the the sense of it. There, Josh. What are your thoughts? I, I, I got a deep dive into some of these positional guys. Um, I went, I hit it pretty hard, and I came out with Anthony Prado from Minnesota's organization, 25-year-old utility guy, uh, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, first base, right field, all played by him in 2023. Not great at any of them, uh, but he is sufficient at anything but third base where he was not very good. Uh, 5'9", 186, he had a really strong plate and zone recognition. Um, and just under 300 plate appearances in AAA last year. He had a 19.7% walk rate and only just a 23.1% K rate. Uh, so very good, strong recognition of the strike zone and also hit pretty well. He had a strong bad bip his entire minor league career. He had the fourth best line drive percent in 2023 in the International League. Spreads it to all fields um, when he does hit it. So I think his plate approach is very, very good. Speed is okay, but not really much to write home about. So I'd be fine getting him some some action at the major league level. I just don't know where he fits in the roster. We kind of got Nick uh, Lofton kind of doing that user utility role, and I don't want to take any at-bats from him or Michael Garcia. So um, I'm just not real sure where he is, but I do like him. Uh, for a pitcher, I do like Garrett Stallings uh, from the Baltimore organization, 26-year-old starter, 6'2", right-handed, only had a 5.47 ERA in AAA last year, decent K rate decent walk rate in just 15 games in AAA, um, but he's got a six-pitch mix uh, led by the sinker slider, got a cutter, change, curveball, and a four-seam, so he's not going to overpower you, but he does have a lot of average delivery um, pitches that he can throw at you, and if you're going to stash him in the bullpen and maybe cut those down to maybe three or four that he's really, really good at, I think that could be uh, potentially some, you know, unlocked value that they could find in Garrett Stalling. So those are my two guys I think that we could potentially find a spot for. 
I like it. Um, I've got Taylor Dollard. Let's try that again. I cannot speak mm-hmm. to you. Taylor Dollard. You're going to get um, me shit. Then you're going to mess up. I was going to say, yeah. Hey, look, man. I, I'm lucky I said one royal way. Why not? Look, exactly. True. Right off the yep. top. Yep. Um, Dollard, a former fifth round pick. 2022, he balled out. Like, that's when baseball fans were like, okay, this guy might be something. 16 and 2 record, only allowed nine home runs all year. Struck out 131 batters in 144 innings in double A. This year only pitched eight innings. Then a shoulder injury ended his season. Fastball sits low 90s. He's got a slider curve combo. Got a change up, but it needs some work. Um, left unprotected. Seattle's number 21 prospect. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. I'm following him closely. And then on the hitter side, this guy I was really surprised that the Giants left unprotected. Their number one, sorry, number seven prospect. I couldn't read my my stuff there. Um, Grant McRae, an, an outfielder, a 2019 third round pick. He just has done a decent job. He, he walks a double digit percent of the time. The strikeouts are a little bit high at 29% in 2022 and 2023, um, but has some decent power that I think maybe there's 20 home run potential there um, from an outfielder. 52 stolen bases in 2023 at high A. The problem is he turns 23 in December. He hasn't gotten the exposure of double A. That's kind of why um, Zaidia and San Francisco said, okay, we're going to leave him unprotected. So legit speed, solid defensive grades in center field from what I've been able to gather, but um, you can never have too much organizational outfielder depth, especially with youth, especially with plus athleticism, especially with the um, power potential so kind of toolsy not the same mold as true waters but kind of some of those same parallels where high strikeout good athlete a um, little bit of pop so those are my guys that's i'm glad you brought him up because it was rumored that san francisco was trying to find some outfield bats in the off season, and i kept seeing so many people trying to be like well let's send them olivaris let's send them kyle isbell <laughs> waters. they are protecting the guy in their own organization they know all the things about they're not going to trade you for your trash. That's a good way to end it. Trash is not, that's not fair, but whatever. I I mean, they're not going to trade you. You're an outfielder with a frying pan for a glove. Yeah. Quad, quad A guys. They're not interested because they're not protecting this guy. So we're Stop. protecting each other here on the Brun Royal Ray podcast. We're back after a little bit of a hiatus. There's just only so much to talk about, man. So much that we fit it into an hour and probably seven or eight minute long episode by the time we're out of here. Um, guys, any final thoughts? Happy to be back. Yep. I will. Hopefully we get some crazy news here soon. So we have another recent pod. Yep. It's coming. I have a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling. Brandon Wood- something. Brandon Woodruff. Hey, Joel, make that have a manifestation besides Josh. Vinny Pasquantino extension. Okay. I'll, I'll leave you guys to that. Um, I'm bad at the manifesting business and the fortune telling business and the prediction business, but um, hopefully we all made you guys happy that we have a show back excited to finally get something back out. I'm excited for what the rest of the off season has in store. So for producer, Nick, for Josh, for Joel, for myself, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to KC sports network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review. If you like what you heard, You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU. 
K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.